The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, good evening everyone. It is a Thursday night. Didn't we get the football world uh, talking on Monday night? Kim Hagdon, of course, with a couple of significant stories. One involving St Kilda pair, as we know, Paddy Ryder and Brad Hill, who, by the way, are in the squad to play this week. Brad's got over his personal reasons and Paddy Ryder was managed, managed against Sydney. But, of course, uh, Kim Hagdon came out with the story that they were involved with a in an altercation. Anyway, St Kilda came out the following day, Brett Ratton, the coach, uh, and tried to put everything to bed. And, of course, hasn't the Luke Jackson story grown, particularly from a West Coast Eagles point of view? Nick Natanui was up at the press conference tomorrow, and guess what the journos ran with, asking him questions about what would it be like if Luke Jackson ended up at the West Coast Eagles. All unveiled uh, in more concrete and more definitive news on Monday night with a man that's just sitting across the desk because he joins us on a Thursday night. It's footy team selections night. Kim Hagdorn, good evening to you, Haggis. G'day, Peter. G'day, everybody. Look, uh, yeah, the Luke Jackson uh, story has become just a, a massive story. It's 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 the biggest one in the AFL at the moment. Yeah. But, but it now sort of dovetails into other contractual circumstances, you know, the massive announcement today, the, the, just the, the monster contract for Clayton Oliver. I reckon $7 million over seven years. Yeah. See that? Well, 2030. That's only, uh, bear with me here, Peter. I'm talking about the sort of money that you're on. Uh That's, that's only a million a year for near on. And I think Clayton Oliver, I've got him at this stage leading the Brownlow. So he has to finish the season. And I think Clayton Oliver could well win the Brownlow. Mm. He's my he's my leading candidate right now, and I've got him for twenty four votes across the season. So that's only a million a year, but the likes of the Luke Jackson deal for a twenty year old, you'd have to look at something similar six, seven, eight years for a twenty year old at more than a million a year, because to entice him to leave Melbourne Town and Melbourne Footy Club. Wherever he's going, he's coming back to West Australia. If he moves, yeah. you're going to have to pay more than a million bucks for okay. that. So here's so, the, here's the so, question. And you're going to have to put him on long term. He's not going to take a short term two or three years back at West Coast or Fremantle. All right. Uh, from a Melbourne perspective, they've now got Clayton Oliver on a seven-year deal yep. and they've got Christian Petrarca on a seven-year deal. His expires in 2029. If they want to keep Luke Jackson, they've probably got to offer him as well a seven-year deal. Have they got the capabilities, Melbourne, to offer something like that when you've got Oliver and Petrarca already on long-term deals getting a big slice of the pie? Two things. The Oliver and Petrarca deals, I, I don't know. I'm not their manager. Yeah. And I, I don't have you know, really personal connections with their manager for them to, to confide this to me. I'd be surprised if they're not heavily back-ended sorts of contracts because they'd be, they're, they're marketable. They're, they're, that's a business proposition to keep those two boys at the Melbourne organisation for the rest of this decade. Now, so Luke Jackson thinks, well, they're back-ended and Melbourne could then go to Jack, Luke Jackson and say, look, you, you, we know you're getting a heck of a lot of pressure from West Coast and Fremantle. And just on that, Fremantle seem to think they're in the front running with them and West Coast, and I'm surprised at why they would feel that way because Melbourne would also be aware, well, if you're going to go, Luke, we're going to get a damn good trade back for you, a first-round draft pick, a first-round, uh, their first-round pick for next year, for instance. So, But Jackson might take a short-term deal two or three years at Melbourne where it like can be... Like Tim hev- English did at the Bulldogs. Yes, 
Tim English is a bit different though because Tim English will be a, a unrestricted, sorry, a restricted free agent in two years' time. Luke's not anywhere near no, that. He's only no. in his third year. So he's got another five years to go before he's a, a restricted free agent if that system stays as is. They could offer him a heck of a lot of money for 2023-24 knowing full well that Clayton, Oliver and, and uh, Petrarca aren't anywhere near as much, that their contracts are going to grow. That's why I say they're back-ended. So they get the biggest part of this 7 or $8 million in the latter part of this decade as they approach the, the end of their careers, the likes of Petrarca and Oliver. So that, that's a consideration with the Luke Jackson one. That's why uh, I, I continue to think that he's going to get a damn good offer. But by the likes of Oliver's deal today and Petrarca's existing deal, Pete, it does tend to indicate that Luke Jackson is not going to get a very, very big offer from Melbourne, no, and which other, makes it more likely he could well take the massive offer to come here. Does he want to go to West Coast? As I've been told, he's, he's said to Fremantle people he's not keen to be part of a six-year rebuild. West Coast won't take that long to rebuild, and West Coast will be selling that to him as well. They'll be saying, no, no, we, we, we expect to be back in the eight within a couple of seasons, and part of it will be, a big part of it will be, because you're leading the ruck. It's interesting also with Melbourne, because they've got a couple of other players, not as high profile mm-hmm. as the likes of Petrarca and Oliver. But Christian Salem and Bailey Fritch both signed five-year deals that takes them through to 2026. So well, there Fritch, you go. well, again, I think Fritch and Salem are also marketable. They're, 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 it's like when Nick Natanui had a five-year deal mm. at a million dollars a year. I mean, the, the, he helps sell seats and he helps sell uh, apparel. He sell, helps sell the merchandising and he helps sell them as, as an image uh, with a brand image. So they're worth it. And I reckon certainly Fritch, he's someone that's worth that for a longer period of time. But they wouldn't be massive deals, Peter. They, they, if they've sold them for a long time, they're probably looking at the guarantee of – Four or five hundred a year for five or six years makes them a two and a bit million dollar player, but they're not getting anywhere near the huge money that the huge playing, the huge game winning players are going to get. Okay, give us your thoughts on the temper of bedshed text line 0487 736 736. That's the temper at bedshed text line, or give us a call on the Scarborough Toyota open line 13 12 55. 13 12 55. If you want to get on board with that, it's just interesting that the uh, Giants have got five players on long-term contracts and then followed by Carlton, who've got who, four. Who are one or two of the Giants? So we're talking the Greater Western Sydney. Yeah, with Josh Kelly, of course, is there till 2029, eight-year deal. I, I, th- I think the w- Josh Kelly one at 229, Petrarca at 229, and now Clayton Oliver at 2030. Mm. I think they're the only three in the AFL with contracts for that lengthy period of time. Yeah. I think anyone else is anywhere near Well, Lockie, Lockie Whitfield has got a seven-year deal. Till when? Till 2027 Yeah, at the GWS Giants. And they've got Toby Green until 2026. He signed a six-year deal. We know that Stephen Cornelio signed a seven-year deal. Yeah. He's there till 2026. So there's some significant contracts when it comes to the Giants. And we know, see, now and again I've heard people sort of say, oh, certain clubs can't afford to pay the sort of money that uh, the big power clubs can the thing is, with payments, they're guaranteed by the AFL. <laughs> $15 million a year in salary cap, that's the figure now. And as soon as they get a new broadcast rights, the MOU that the players are going to want is going to be a very significant pay rise. So let's say it goes up to 18 or $20 million a year. 
Some I've heard some commentators say, oh, you know, certain clubs, North Melbourne can't afford to pay the same as what West Coast can because they're not as rich as West Coast. <laughs> the salary cap is guaranteed yeah. by the AFL. Every club gets the same amount and you're only allowed to spend that. So the AFL overrides that, overwrites that with the broadcast rights. One question before we move on, uh, because we've got plenty to discuss. I thought... You know, post-COVID, mm-hmm. we had seen the end of the long-term deal. You know, the seven-year deals. I I was talking actually to Peter Sumich on radio last season, and he was saying, Peter, I'd be very surprised if we see those big, massive deals because of the financial hit that a lot of clubs in the AFL what, what, did get. Why? I mean, it's easy to say that, but why? I See, I think certain a certain one or two players that your organisation of the time decide – I think wisely that this guy helps us fill our business. It is a corporate move to have you locked into us year after year. We can plan for the next four or five or six. A business plan for Melbourne has to be to stay in premiership contention for the next four or five years. We, we, jag, we They didn't jag one. They got one last year. Historic. A little bit against the grain. I didn't think Melbourne could win the premiership, you know, from uh, even about this time last year. I thought, no, nah, no, nah, they'll fall over there, Melbourne. Mm. But they've got players there. They've got an organisation. Mark Williams there behind it, particularly Alan Richardson running the football department. That's the model that's going to help you stay in contention. A really good football manager, a football boss, good assistant coaches, around a coach that can, can sell the club. So I can see I, – I, I'm surprised you say that you don't have any. Some clubs – have have one or two that they can they can they can build the business around for the next four or five years, and the core of the business is contending for the premiership. Yeah, fair call, fair call. Understand that, but we even balked at the Buddy Franklin deal when it was signed, and here again, he's been, I, I, that was always oh, on. There was a lot of people, a lot of conjecture saying, "Will he be able to play out but nine years?" He, look, that's right. And so the the last year of that, he well, the last two years, he's thirty four and thirty five by then. He won't last. However. He made Sydney's books very healthy for the next two. So he went there at the end of 2013, remember? He played in that premiership team with Hawthorne and then went and played from 2014 onwards. And I think he's now split his career evenly between Hawthorne and Sydney. The point being there is from the moment he was going there, they filled their membership. Their their tills just couldn't stop. Franklin's coming. And it's still the same every year. And even with him considering playing for next year, as much of it would be part of the business plan, Peter, we sell the Sydney cricket ground a lot easier if Franklin's playing it full forward. So Josh Kelly's eight-year deal at GWS Giants... I think is over the top. I personally think because he's not. But they a had to stop him going. See, GW, but, but he's not going to. Uh, he's not going to get the the membership rolling. Josh Kelly, Dustin no. Martin will. Okay. Not Josh Kelly. Okay. He won't. But but Justin Martin wouldn't go to the to the Western Sydney organisation if they weren't going to contend in some way. So they they needed to keep some of those prize recruits that they'd got through the privileged draft. Ke- uh, Kelly was one. Kelly's part of a very special deal though. His manager, Paul Connors, the same with Andrew Gaff. They have a clause in their contracts. Oh, we'll, yeah, we'll sign for a long period of time and we'll go public with that. They have clauses very strong, very on, much on page one. If they ever want to leave their organisation, that club can't stop them going. Okay, uh, a couple of uh, SMSs on the temperate bedshed text line. Get on uh, right now, 0487 736 736. This is from Paul, I think down in Margaret River. Do you really believe West Coast will be back in the eight within two or three years? Yeah. I think they are no chance. That's according to Paul. Absolutely. West Coast, and I hark back to 2010 especially, and in 2010 when West Coast had finished last, last, Peter, 
And Peter Sumich as assistant coach and John Worsfold as coach were hauled into Trevor Nisbet's office and he opened the discussion with, if it wasn't you two as West Coast Eagles greats, Mm -hmm. I'd be sacking you here now. You've got one more year. You've got one more year each on your contract and I'm not prepared to even talk about any extensions until we see how 2011 goes. Now, they bounced back straight away, straight away, and didn't change the list much. The big changes to the list were Andrew Gaff picked at number four. They, they, they drafted cleverly Jack Darling as a priority pick at number 26, Scott Lysett at pick 27, Jeremy McGovern as a rookie at, 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 at pick 44 in the rookie draft. Didn't play until 2014. They bounced back straight away without changing the list much. They changed their approach. They got them fitter, healthier, hungrier over the course of the summer and the summer program they implemented. That in itself is one of the the many examples where I think West Coast as a business bounce back quickly. And we can tell where some of their strategies at, Peter. With with West Coast so fervent in their endeavours to convince Luke Jackson to be part of the rebuild or the frontal part of the rebuild, Nick Natanui already declaring. We see here on Monday. Well, I was, I was going to get to that. That got uh, – the ball got – rolling after you declared that on Monday night on this program that Nick Natanui had personally endorsed Luke Jackson to come and he would use everything that he could to maybe lure him to West Coast. And all of a sudden the questions came flying at uh, Nick Natanui the day after at the Eagles press conference. Where did they come from? They came because yeah, Kim Hagelin floated it. Now, I need to get back to St Kilda okay, with you as yeah, well. Yeah, come back to that. Uh, but just to stay with the Natanui one and Jackson. Natanui has said that he, he will play as the backup ruckman to Luke Jackson. Now, if Luke Jackson wants to continue being and, and evolving toward being Melbourne's senior ruckman as Max Scorn goes through the tail end of his career, Max Scorn's another one. He's contracted for two more years yet with, with Melbourne. If he decides, yeah, okay, I'll go there. I don't have to play full forward much. I lead the ruck and Nick Natanui's mm. sitting on the bench waiting for my, for my interchange, for my recovery period. That could be quite a lure to him as well as about a million bucks a year. And also... West Coast have got the trade available. Fremantle would have to give up players, which which would, I think, detract a, a little bit from their premiership and top four, regular top four attendance potential because it would have to be two or three players that are pretty handy. Lobb isn't, isn't conforming. I don't think Lobb's going well enough, but he'd have to be on the trade table. Griffin Logue would have to be on the trade table. <coughs> Tucker would have to be on the trade table, Darcy Tucker. They'd have to put three or four or five players up to the likes of a Melbourne to say, we can't, we haven't got to pick number one. We haven't got our first round draft pick next year that we can give you. So the trade is more appealing perhaps to West Coast. They've got to convince him in their sales pitch that we're going to contend very quickly. And I think they will. I don't think they'll be out for too long with the drafting this year. As long as they do get a Jackson, and to a lesser degree, the Liam Baker one is getting strong as well. Okay, we'll come back to that in a moment. We'll take a break. This is Drive with Peter Vlahos. It's AFL Football Team Selections Night with Kim Hagdorn.